Laura? Yes? Do you ever get a song stuck in your head? Oh, well, yeah. Oh, you mean like ADHD as females? Yeah. You know, you know the one. <laughs> Still can't believe you roped me into that. Oh, come on, you loved it. Yeah, I know, I did, I did. But that reel did pretty well. It did. Thank you so much to everyone who shared it. We really, really appreciate you uh, humouring our silliness to get our serious message out there. We, we've we heard, been hearing a lot from you and we really, really enjoy hearing from you. So we put out another poll this week to um, to find out, to get some feedback about masking, which we're going to be talking about in this episode. Which is episode four. And did you know that most podcasts, 90% of podcasts, mm-hmm. don't make it past episode three? Indeed, which so. is why we've decided to celebrate by wearing pyjamas and sequins. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Dawn. Hi, I'm Laura. And we are ADHD AF. We are two neurodivergent neighbours who move to the same street at the same time at the same age, with the same undiagnosed disability. What are the chances? Since discovering the enormous impact ADHD has had on our lives and the horrifying numbers of missing undiagnosed females, it has become our mission to make some serious noise. We want to use our voices to raise awareness, break the stigma and share our experiences in the hope that they help others. So join us for a chat, or as it's called up here in Aberdeen, a blether. Trigger warning, we will be covering some really sensitive topics, so please do have a read of the description of each episode before listening. It's important to note that we are not medical professionals, we're not therapists or coaches, we're not qualified to offer advice or support. What we will do is share our experiences alongside resources and information from professionals. We will talk over each other (laughs) and we will go off topic and forget the point (laughs) mid-sentence. We are both assigned female at birth, which means that we can only speak from the experience of life as AFAB people. However, ADHDAF is an inclusive space. Whatever your gender, you are very welcome here. Yes, you are. ADHDS females, ADHDAF, ADHDS females. Podcast. Oi, oi. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? Ah, you know, it's pre-menstrual time. Oh, dear. I'm feeling a little bit blue this week, but I guess um, it's my turn. Yeah. It's weird we're not in sync, actually, since we <laughs> see each other all the time. It'll happen. It will happen. It will happen. But um, it, uh, they do say that hormonal fluctuations do affect um, female ADHD symptoms, so that's why it will be even more of a struggle. Yeah, I can definitely say that that is a true, fair statement Aww. because, yeah, I've been feeling just a little bit... Uh, Struggle Street. Struggle Street. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. But it's fine. I'm here and I'm sure after getting all of this off my chest, we shall um, feel better afterwards. Well, you're definitely going to feel better after a pyjama party, (laughs) which is partly to celebrate episode four, but also because we just couldn't be bothered to get dressed. 
Yeah, but we added sequins on top, <laughs> didn't we? So that makes it better. And randomly, we both have tiger pajamas. Yeah, I know that is that is very random, <laughs> unplanned, but you know, lovely. Um, we hope that you are all doing well out there, and we're just so 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 grateful to everyone for their support. And we just absolutely love hearing from you. Yes, we do. Yeah, thank you so much to everyone who's reached out and told us all sorts about what's going on in your own personal journeys and how you found us and any sort of feedback of of anything about the podcast um, through socials. And you can also email us. us Yes, you can. ADHDasfemales at gmail.com. Send us an email, suggestions, tips, ideas, anything. Like, we'd love to hear from you. We love hearing from you. One message in particular really, really touched us this week. If you saw our reel, not that one, another reel, (laughs) you'd have seen our very emotional um, responses that we had. I'm just going to share one of them because it really, really touched us so much. Um, I just wanted to reach out and let you guys know that your podcast and honest real sharing of your experiences has quite literally changed my life. I was diagnosed two weeks ago at almost 38 and this page has been the best thing that has happened to me. You are genuinely making a difference to people everywhere and I just wish I also lived on your street too. Thank Mm, you. I'm going to start crying again. We cried (laughs) ugly tears for that one and um, we really do wish that you lived on our street as well. Yeah. And... um, um, yeah, it, it's quite overwhelming, isn't it? Because I think that we just sort of feel like we're saying what we need to say and it, it's for us and we want to sort of obviously do the things we want to do, raise awareness, but just like really make some noise because it's all just a bit much, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I think this is a really cathartic experience for us, getting our yeah. thoughts and feelings out there as well and opening up about things. But to know that this is actually having an impact on other people's lives is just Mind-blowing. incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. This is exactly why we're doing it. Yes. And so because of last week, uh, we had so so many responses to the poll. We did another one this week on the topic of masking. And if you're not familiar with the term masking, I have the definition here. So ADHD masking, this is when someone with ADHD tries to cover up their symptoms by copying the behaviours of people who don't have it. ADHD masking may be a way for some people with ADHD to fit into society, avoid being stigmatised or feel more accepted. Yes, so on the poll, we talked, we asked various questions about ADHD masking, the first of which was, do you stay quiet or be very careful of what you say? Only 24% of you said no, with 76% saying yes. What did you say? I said yes. I often say quiet, stay quiet rather than um, saying what I think or say for fear of being rejected, mm-hmm. for, you know, start. I, I don't like confronta- confrontation, mm. like various reasons. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm the same. I don't know that I stay quiet as such, but I am very careful of what I say. Um, and I think it's quite funny, actually, because it just made me think, like, if I've had a drink... And alcohol does affect ADHD people differently. Oh, yeah. Like, after, like, the next morning when you have the fear of, like, what have I said or whatever, like, I really, really do have the fear because, well, in hindsight, now that I've even found out about masking, I realise that, obviously, the mask slips then, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, God, what did I say? Like, what did I show? 
So yes, totally. We are we are with the majority there. The second question was, do you obsessively check you have your belongings? All the time. <laughs> It's like a whole system, isn't it? Like, yeah. Look in the bag, where's the phone keys, phone keys. And I get my keys out. I'm one of those people that gets my keys out way before I get to the house. Well, the results <laughs> the results say everything, don't they? So 91% of you said yes. Yeah. So we're all it. well, nearly all in it together. 9% don't, but but 91% yeah. of us do. I mean, I check to see I've got my phone with me when I'm leaving the house and sometimes I'll be looking for it and it's in my hand. Yes, <laughs> I'll be on the phone to someone, talking to someone and saying, I can't find my phone. And they have to actually remind me. The reason you can't find your phone is because it's in your hand. You're talking to me. <laughs> oh. I do it quite a lot in the car as well. I'd be like, do you want maps up? And they put the map on the side, start driving along. And they'd be like, oh my God, where's my phone? Like in front of you with the map on it. <laughs> so bad. Okay. Do you have perfectionist tendencies 9% said no with 91% saying yes yeah I mean I do sometimes it doesn't always seem apparent because I make a lot of mistakes all over the shop but when I'm doing something and I'm really focused on that thing I want it to be perfect yeah and I think that's the thing with perfectionism isn't it it's not it's not necessarily about being perfect it's the idea of like I don't know, like pushing too hard and putting unreasonable expectations and demands on yourself and then beating yourself if you can't, beating yourself up if you can't necessarily meet this unreasonable criteria. Exactly. Is my understanding anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I do that for Mm -hmm. sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you suppress stimming behaviour? For example, fidgeting. 21% said no with 79% saying yes. I don't think I suppress it because I don't stim... Like obviously we spoke about this last week yeah. and, and, and you stim differently whereas you like focus on one area whereas I'm a fidgeter mm. and um, I pick and fidget and stuff but I don't suppress it most of the time because I don't realise I'm doing it. That's the thing isn't yeah. it? It's unconscious. But I think like with people that are more of you know like leg shaking and things like mm. that people trying to sit still um, I mean I guess me with my acrylics is a form of... Um, trying to suppress the stimming yeah not brilliantly successfully but (laughs) (laughs) I guess like if I'm in meetings at work and things then I'll sometimes catch myself doodling yeah and I have to stop myself because I need to look as if I'm paying attention (laughs) even though I find it easier to pay attention whilst I'm doodling yes I sometimes feel like oh no I need to stop this because people will think I'm not paying attention that's really interesting isn't it it's a bit like the idea of of not you know having the perfect amount of noise to be able to concentrate like you have to have music on or or the tv like a lot of the time when I'm doing my coursework I'll sit with the tv on and it's like I can concentrate better whereas if without it I guess I'd just get lost in a barrage of thoughts whereas I'm the same but with music but at the same time it has to be music when I'm really trying to focus. It has to be music without words because if it's music with yeah. words, I can't focus because I'm paying too much attention to the song and the lyrics. Yes. So it's like finding that level. That, 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 yeah, yeah, that sweet spot of distraction. Exactly. Um, do you mimic others in social situations? I said unintentionally in this oh, yes. one. So the, the options were yes, no or unintentionally. The minority of no said 9%. Unintentionally was 26% and yes, it was 65%. So yeah, you were I was unintentionally. I definitely have caught myself on occasions, maybe mirroring people or mm-hmm. um, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that one. No, don't stop. It's fine. 
<laughs> I was a bit stopped. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, yeah, unintentionally. I, I do it as well, but it's quite strange. I notice with different groups of friends, or, or like different friends in, in particular, I think it's pretty normal anyway to have different ways to speak to people because you... I don't know, there are different social norms in different situations and also you have nicknames or in-jokes. But I definitely know that I do I, I do act like others in situations. When I was at university, um, my best friend at uni was a Brummie. Yeah. And I swear to God, for three years I had a Brummie accent. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, I can get that. If I spend <laughs> any time with my family down in Leeds, I'm like, hey, up, it's, how's it going? Going down to Pupfit Pint, the accent goes on, I can't stop. <laughs> but um but yeah it's funny actually because um whilst we're on that subject I I find that I do when it with different groups of people like you know if I'm speaking to the, the guys in my work that I'd maybe come across differently to if I was speaking to you know friends or yeah. or and I know everyone does that slightly but I guess I do it maybe a little bit more and I guess as well that comes from you know how people are perceiving me 100% so I don't want people to think I'm stuck up so I'll come yeah. down to a level where I'll maybe think that's more acceptable and... do, you, do you think that you do you think that that is something that you have particularly noticed since finding out about ADHD and diagnosis or do you think you've always known that about yourself I think I've always kind of known it, especially in more recent years because as I've done you know, a little bit of self-exploration and mm. figuring myself out, I've come to realise that, you know, I act certain ways because I'm constantly trying to please people. Yeah. And that's, you yeah. know, like masking certain things. A hundred percent. So that I can fit in and, you know, be accepted. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of, you know, we've talked a lot before about comorbidities and in particular the most common one that people with ADHD tend to have, or women, sorry, is um, anxiety and depression. But interestingly, uh, it has been argued that the anxiety and depression is brought on through the masking and the struggle of hiding ADHD. Oh, yeah, because I think masking for me, and I think we'll probably touch on this later, is is affected my self-worth yeah. more than anything. Yeah. And, you know, that means that because I'm constantly, you know, berating myself mm. I'm looking for that acceptance elsewhere to validate that I'm not an, a total fuck up excuse my French yes. <laughs> but it's also yeah like the self-flagellation like we did that post with that amazing quote and of course the doctor's name has escaped me now but it was um put down the stick and pick up the feather yes and it just there's just so like nail on the head stuff that really isn't mm -hmm. it because we are all beating ourselves up so much and I think it's interesting like again I'm, you know, I still feel very new to, to sort of picking all of this apart. But like what I've noticed in terms of masking is the different kinds of situations that I feel comfortable and uncomfortable in where I'm being. And, it, and it's hard to say being authentic because at no point in my life have I ever thought I was being fake. Yeah. You know, apart from maybe in like a, a job interview. You know, but like, <laughs> but you know, it is things like I can be very nervous or, or not nervous, but not myself. I can, I'm aware that I'm not myself when I'm with other people's parents. Isn't that yeah. strange? Like, I, you know, we've all got to this age now where we're all adults and we're all supposed to be relaxed enough and just be yourself and I'm not going to get told off. But for some reason, you introduce me to someone's mum and I'm sat up straight, you know, 
trying to be well behaved. It's... I'm the same at uni, like with my lecturers yeah. and stuff. I have a lecturer who's a couple of years younger than me, and I feel like she's older than me and she's an adult, and mm. I feel like a child when I'm talking yeah. to her. And yes. I'm like, this woman is like literally within years of my age, yeah. and why am I acting? so differently why have I just gone into myself and can't just talk yeah. like a normal adult like I would talk to like, any of my friends yeah. yeah yeah it's, it's bizarre so and it would be that isn't it it's a lifetime of like feeling that you have to seek the approval so with teachers for me with parents that yeah. kind of situation that's exactly what we're talking about isn't it exactly so funny um so the next one we asked was do you react as you perceive you're expected to 24% said no and 76% said yes. What did you say? I said yes. Yeah. I do like to act as expected, um, I guess, just, again, it's that fitting in thing. It's that mm. acceptance and, mm. and that's where it comes from. Yeah. I have to say, like, this is a real problem for me. Yeah. Like, really seriously. Um, of, you know, one particular relationship in mind like I got to a place where I was so um anxious um and felt responsible for this person's feelings at all times yeah that when I would receive a message from them I uh, unconsciously like I can only say this in hindsight Mm -hmm. but it was literally like I would receive a message my heart would drop I would look at my phone and think, before you know, I'm reading the message and before I can really even process the words, my brain is is immediately saying to me, what is it that this person needs from me? Yeah. What do I need to say to this? Instead of actually going, you know, reading it and going, oh, right, that's happened. Well, I think this didn't even occur to me to do. It's like, oh, my God, what do they need? What do they need? What's the right thing to say? What do they want to hear? Yeah, yeah, I can definitely, I can, I can definitely relate to that, especially within past relationships. Yeah. And again, I think that just comes to self-worth thing as well, because you're saying the things that you think they want you to hear. They want to hear from you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That. Because you want, everything to be okay yeah and and you feel responsible for it yeah and I think it's also interesting like when we're talking about this self-flagellation stuff is like the idea of oh I don't know like we all have this narrative about ourselves right and that will be built up on our our life's experience so you know when we're talking about having low self-worth it's all of these different things that have happened or things that have made you feel a certain way but actually it can become a bit like self-fulfilling prophecy if you keep Mm -hmm. telling yourself the same stories so if your brain is trying to find the evidence to back up this tale as old as time beliefs that you've had about yourself yeah then that's part of the reason why you're jumping through hoops to to get the approval because if you were, say, if I was to answer that person and get it wrong, well, I mean, in in the real world, who cares? Like, we're all allowed to have different opinions exactly. and that doesn't make me a terrible person. But if you're walking around with the weight of the world on your shoulders thinking you're a terrible person, it's only going to take the tiniest little thing to go, see, you are a waste of space. Exactly. And you just don't want that. Yeah. Those thoughts that you have about yourself, you don't want them to be validated. Yeah. You want people to prove you wrong. So. Yeah. I'm all right, see? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? Um, okay, the next one was, do you arrive extra early for fear of lateness? 
That's a funny one for me. So I, I oh, I'm sorry, I didn't. Get... Yeah, we better give you the <laughs> answer. One job. <laughs> better give you the answers first. Yeah. Um. So thirty-three percent said no, with sixty-seven percent saying yes. So I'm notoriously late. Yeah. Jobs, you know, meeting friends, whatever it is, notoriously late. Um. On the odd occasion that I am early, it's because I've gotten ready too early and I can't sit around and do nothing yeah. because if I do, I will end up being late because I'll yeah, get caught get up caught with something, something, else, something yeah. else. But yeah, I try, try really hard not to be late, but fail on most most accounts. Okay. I am I am one of these, actually. Yeah. It is, it is quite rare that I will be late, but that is in part because I can't drive. So if I'm planning to meet somebody, then I have to backtrack and plan ahead exactly how long it's going to take me to walk there or if I'm going to have to get multiple buses or yeah. whatever it is, and then I work backwards. Um, and as we know, I'm up all hours, so... <laughs> are quite long uh so yeah i i tend to be a, an extra early person um i wish it was <laughs> um so the next question was do you bottle up emotions 70 percent said yes and 30 percent said no so yes from me yeah i i always used to kind of laugh for years that i just was you know n- not emotionally available at all Mm -hmm. you know a little bit emotionally broken because I wasn't able to express my emotions but it was not that I wasn't able to express them it's that I've just bottled them up for fear of rejection again for fear of how I'll be perceived for everything you know it's like and I've I think that people see me and know me as a strong person a happy person Mm -hmm. so when I'm when I actually come forward and start to get emotional people are just like oh that's not dawn she's mm. not like that mm. and so because i know that that's how people perceive me it's put me even in more fear of opening up because yeah. i don't want to change that perception of dawn the happy person it's so crazy though isn't it because all human beings have every single spectrum of emotions that yeah. there are like your demeanor how you how you come across present yourself or the things that make you excited oh whoops there goes a fake nail hitting there <laughs> Sorry, you know all of those things are all of you but yeah it's mad to think that anyone would think that I've had the same with people saying oh you know especially when I was living in Ibiza oh but you look so happy it's like what on social media yeah was I gonna be like oh look I cried myself sick last night (laughs) Social, social media is a funny one as well though like because let's be honest nobody's gonna put all their pain and worries and horrible stuff on social media because it's your best bits it's your highlight reel so why would you want to show anything that wasn't a highlight and when you see it it's strange to see yeah isn't it but yeah i don't know it's a funny but, one but in sorry come on no i was just gonna say that even today you know like i had a bit of a struggle and i yeah. bottled up and then i just kind of like blurted out a big long message before you came over about the struggle street that I was on. And mm. even like that, that was me kind of bottling things up for a little while. Till because it Yeah, till it just kind of hit hit tipping point. Yeah. It's 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 such a funny one. Like my end, it's not so much that I bottle up emotions because I am I might have noticed quite an over-emotional person. Um, but it's more that I'm not very good at communicating when people are, are upsetting me. Yeah. And it's quite a strange one to pick apart. And it has cost me, oh, a couple of friendships and the rest, is that 
it's almost as if, and again, we'll come back to this, and, and I do think there is an element of masking to it, definitely in the way that we've been talking about for fear of, you know, rejection or or whatever other word you want to call it, is that when somebody does something that upsets me, I tend to be able to see past it. So I'll go like, oh, well, that's all right. They're just having a bad day or that's not about me. They're upset about this or that or that's okay. I know they really meant this instead. And I can do that for a really long time. And it's not good because then what happens is six months, one year, 10 years, however long later, all of a sudden they'll stand on my foot And I will absolutely have had it, had it to the point that I can't even bear the sight of them because it it feels like, you know, I've turned the other cheek a million times and it's the final straw, but it makes me look like a crazy, horrible person because I haven't even communicated in any way, shape or form that there was a first straw. Yeah. Yeah. And then how do you go backwards and say, well, it's been building five years now? Yeah. That's just, no, I so can, that's that's a real problem. I can relate mine. with that. I've I've blew up at a few people on a few occasions for, for little things when actually it's been A long building, time coming. Building for a long time, yeah. yeah. Yes, that is definitely something I need to work on. Um, do you take on too much to show how capable you are, Dawn Marie? <laughs> do you? What, why are you looking at me like this? <laughs> what? What? Let, let's hear what the people had to uh, say. So, eleven percent said no, and eighty-nine percent said yes. Well, I don't. I'm not alone in this, then, am no. I? Um, yeah, I take on a lot. Run yourself ragged. Yeah. Like, obviously, I I do a lot of things. I have a lot of hobbies, ADHD traits, as we know, (laughs) taking on lots of hobbies. But work-wise as well, like, I've always, there's always something on the go. And it's it's caused me issues in the past, like, trying to run a business and taking on too much work and then not being able to get things done in time. And obviously, that has a knock-on effect on um, your business and your reputation. Mm. And, um, yeah, just taking on... Too many things. Yeah. Burning myself out and then ending up as an emotional heap because of doing so. Yeah. What I about mean, you? I think it doesn't help so much that um the sunrise is so early this time of year. So getting up to do your your amazing paddleboarding that you did on Saturday, that was kind of like your only lion day of the week and you got up at like quarter to four or something. Quarter to four in the morning. Yeah. But it was so worth it. It was it looked absolutely magical and I was incredibly jealous, but yeah. But it's quite funny. Um, yeah, I've got. I've actually got something to use later on for my my, my most ADHD thing. Okay. I did this week based on that. So oh, okay. I'll, I'll hold on to that one for later. <laughs> well, actually, having just said that, though, we are going to do a Duke tomorrow morning, aren't we? Yes, we're going to get up at half six. Did I say? Well, you said we had to be in by half six. I thought, or or is it half six? When no, we... we we can meet at half six. Okay, yeah. amazing. Look yeah. at us just planning our lives <laughs> while we're making a podcast. It's it's my birthday tomorrow morning, so tomorrow you're not morning. supposed to bring that up. I was going to do. Oh. It's actually her birthday today because the podcast is getting released on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. So even though we're pre-recording this, <laughs> it's today. So future. happy birthday, Laura. Thank you. Happy birthday, future Laura. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we decided that we would see it in with a with a sunrise. Well, it was not sunrise, actually, because sunrise is in the middle of the night at yeah. the moment. But yeah, half six will be in the sea in the morn. Yeah. Freezing our tits off. Absolutely. <laughs> And I was semi-tempted in like a 
um what's the word impulsive thrill-seeking risk-taking way to do it naked and then i remembered <laughs> that we literally live in a community on the beach so yeah. probably not the i've one. done a couple of naked swims but not here and i don't <laughs> plan to do, no i get i'd get us in i'd get us in trouble <laughs> get arrested yeah um so uh for me the answer is also yes i have gone from naught to a thousand this summer and I've just taken on thing after thing after thing after thing because well I've basically pretty much been in hiding recovering from my breakdown uh which I was most of the way there and then COVID hit and we moved and I was in a house in a place I didn't know for a couple of years um, and now that the world is coming back and festivals are back and trading, it's a garden party and I'm doing an event here in Fitty and I'm literally doing this at the same time as a course and a podcast. And this girl is on fire. Like, no, genuinely. It's the most ridiculous thing that's ever happened because I'm really not very good at organisation. So every week I'm like, okay, this week I'm going to plan it out. Monday I'll be writing, Tuesday I'll be making. Have I done it once? Not once. And so I do like a little bit of everything every single day. And then by the end of the day, I feel like I've got absolutely nowhere. But you you have gotten somewhere <laughs> and she's getting lots done. And um, yeah, I'm super proud of you. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. I feel like I'm chasing my tail, but yeah, come back. Come back at the end of August. It'll be all right. <laughs> Um, the next question we asked was, do you need to appear in control? A whopping 90% said yes, with only 10% saying no. Yeah, I like everyone to think that I'm in control, even though behind the scenes I am absolutely nowhere close to being in control. I but, don't think anybody is, are they? Well, no, probably not. But yeah, I, I think the majority of people like to see, to look as though they're in control. Yeah. Um, I guess sometimes I probably like to show people I'm not in control though from time to time Mm. because then it takes a little bit of pressure off Mm. and it's just like look I don't have a clue what's going on so just leave me alone (laughs) it's like being hung over the first week of your job yeah the new job because then they have low expectations well that's not that I would ever do that (laughs) Um, no but you've just given me an idea (laughs) um so I was actually in the minority I said no Okay. So I've always been quite self-deprecating and I think that that I've never really shaken that off. Yeah. And I don't I don't feel in any way in control of anything. <laughs> so I don't really ever say. But again, I I do think that that is to a fault and in part down to the masking is that what the path of that's led me on is in a lot of situations I would assume that the other person would know better than me. Yeah. So I would kind of follow the pack or follow somebody who is being authoritative and looks like they are in control. I'd be like, oh, well, what they think is probably right. But actually, that is often not the case. Yeah. I, no, I'm, I'm very much <laughs> like that as well. But I think it depends on the situation and what the, what the thing is that yeah. you're in control of. Yeah. Because if it's like, you know, I try to look as though I'm in control of say finances Mm. and you know my my job and other things but in reality I'm maybe not whereas you know the less important things that I'm not so fussed about actually yeah people knowing whether I'm in control or not yeah yeah it's so funny though isn't it because 
it's all complete and utter bollocks, isn't it? There's a quote, I don't know who said this, but um, it was something like, you would care less what people thought of you if you knew how seldomly they did. Yeah. Like, no one gives a shit, do they? <laughs> Not <what>? at all. <laughs> Everyone, is so, everyone is so consumed with their own yeah. life and their own thoughts that nobody actually really gives that much of a shit. No. Um, okay. That's twice I've swore. I know, it's a bit of a swear I knew, episode. I knew I was going to be a we're sweaty one all, this We're week. letting it all hang out in our pyjamas and sequins <laughs> and uh, swearing like sailors. Um, we started this podcast being like, we'll try and keep swearing to a minimum, clean, but as, it, it as it's going, it's just like, just... <laughs> Let's unmask that as well <laughs> while we're here. Well, with uh, going back to masking, we asked you all what has masking ADHD cost you? Um, and we had a whole host of answers which we shared on the story. Um, the main, well, there were several that kept coming up time and time again was self-worth, mm-hmm. relationships. A lot of people mentioned jobs, so uh, some people said like advancing in my career was a big one, reaching potential. Um, I can't remember what else, but we shared it, and it's it's all in the every all of the answers to the sorry start again. <laughs> all of the answers to the polls are in the polls highlight reel on our Instagram page. Yes. If you would ever like to visit them, I um, was going to say just while we were speaking on that one. Um, one of mine was my self-worth. Yes. And having my self-worth be so badly affected literally affects everything. Oh, 100%. It affects, it's affected my relationships. It's affected my career, my, you know, advancement in life when it comes to like having self-belief to to do better and, you know, go into edu- yeah, education, etc. It's it's held me back because I didn't have that belief in myself because yeah. I, my self-worth had just been battered and battered Plummeted, and battered. Yeah. When you say relationships, do you mean all relationships or, or do you mean specifically romantic relationships? I mean, all, all really. Yeah. But I just wanted to check because that's what I mean as well when I say relationships. Yeah, so. all, all relationships, but I guess more specifically romantic re- relationships. Mm-hmm. Like my self-worth. You're putting up with bullshit is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Swearing! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, allowing people to treat me a certain way because I don't think I'm good enough and yeah. I don't think I can get better and... That's just due to, you know, me not thinking I'm good enough. It's also insidious though, isn't it? Hang on, I don't even mean insidious. It is insidious, but I mean, uh, and I cannot think of the word, but it's like hanging in the air. Like, I very much doubt you've sat down and thought to yourself, this is the best I can get. This is what I deserve. No, absolutely not. It's all just like like in the ether. Like, there is a word for it and it's going to come to me in about an hour. (laughs) But you know, it is... Mate, I don't even know what insidious means, so... (laughs) Um, so, uh, would you like, sorry, before I cut in, would you like to say any more about that? Um, no. How your self-worth? No? Okay, you don't, move on. I, I will answer then. Um, in all seriousness, um, just to be the Debbie Downer once again, um, I, I honestly think that ADHD masking has, was, was the cause of me basically having a nervous breakdown. Um, and I did double check because I, I had mentioned that in a previous episode, the actual definition of it. And apparently nervous breakdown is not a medical term. It is what like non-medical people call it. Yeah. And having looked at the various symptoms, which look like a normal day, to be honest, <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, kind of. Um, 
I, I definitely did have one. And the point was, is that I wasn't just masking from everyone around me, which I had been for my entire life without realizing. Yeah. I was masking from myself. And it it's such a crazy thing because it's the story, as I was saying before, it's like the stories that you tell yourself. And my brain will literally create a whole narrative for me to follow down rather than face the truth. And again, like we're talking about with this relationship thing, it wasn't a conscious decision of, right, I can't face this, so I'm going to turn the other way. It just crept in and it was just like, you know, like I said, running for the hills and and living abroad. I found myself um, working on a boat in the Whitsundays, looking around me at the crew and they were all mm, people that didn't really fit into society um, for various reasons. Yeah. I looked around me at these waifs and strays and, you know, suddenly realised, oh, that's why I'm here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and in my head it was, oh, you know, I want to go and live on the, in the sunshine. I love boats. I'm going to go and be a host. But you're constantly running away yeah, from yourself. Yeah, without even realising, oh, no, I fit into this category. I have literally run away because I can't, I can't adult. Yeah. I can't function in society. But it's it's like you say... Like, not that I regret it, by the way. No, not at all. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you kind of... If you talk to yourself and you speak to yourself in a certain way for a, for a long period of time... The things you say, you start to believe. Yeah, 100%. So if you're constantly telling yourself you're not good enough, you're not this, you're that, and the other, mm-hmm. you will believe it. Yeah. And so the masking isn't just about masking from other people. You mm. do, you end up masking from yourself. Absolutely. 100%. I just think it's so sad. Like I said before. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I just think it's so sad. Like I said, you know, before with my struggles in school and stuff, it it's just so sad because if it's almost as if I was I was right there, like it was on the tip of my tongue, like the teacher saying, you know, she literally told me off so badly for handing in the, that coursework just before my GCSE, like at the deadline. And she was so annoyed. She was like, you've done pretty well. And I know that you did that last night. And there are other people that have been trying for weeks. Like if you actually applied yourself, I think she even said the words, you make me sick. Nice. And I really wish... That instead of just saying whatever lie I told as to why that was, I wish I'd have said, I can't do it. Yeah. Like, I get home and I can't do it. Or I think I've done it because I've spent four hours worrying about it and I haven't slept for a week. But for some reason, I can't get myself to do it. Then perhaps, maybe, maybe, uh, it might have been recognised. It and, might have been noticed that I had ADHD. And that thing that you're saying about having you would have done well if you'd applied yourself mm. um, or done better, that that's literally what all my school reports yeah. said. Dawn would have could could have done so much more, and she could have done so so much better if she'd only apply herself. Yeah, a hundred every single one, and then and oh. then and then the shame because my parents would be so angry. Like, why aren't you trying? And it's like I am trying so hard. I am so anxious. I am so stressed out. I'm literally drowning here. I'm a fish out of water, and I don't understand why. And to make it worse, sometimes. I'm effing brilliant. Yeah. So then all the other times, it looks like I'm not trying. Yeah. But the same person walked into that room. I just have no control over which one comes out. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. 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 <laughs> um, okay. So then we said, ask us anything. 
and I do have the questions that were asked somewhere in my phone. I was about to say, have you found them this time? (laughs) (laughs) It's been a couple of weeks of me really... Oh, 23,371 photos there. You're not doing badly. No? Yeah, no, I think, actually, you've you've maybe got more than me. Um, What you got, what you want, what you want. I don't know. I've got a lot of pictures and videos on my phone. I'm on 24th... Oh, no, actually, all all photos, 30,607. You beat me. What are you (laughs) on, people? Tell us. Tell us your 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 photo number count on your phone. This is a quick interruption from the future. It's Laura here. I just wanted to let you know that Dawn stepped down from the podcast to give her all to her degree in October 23. She explained all in the series two episode called it's always darkest before the dawn from that point i continue adhdf solo and i'm about to start the third uk tour which will actually be the last of this nature i would love to meet you in real life at alien nation the adhdf live events are to connect local adhders raise adhd awareness and they start in april 2024 and finish in july in Scotland and England. Undiagnosed ADHD made me feel alienated from society. The shows featuring very special guests from the podcast explore going from feelings of alienation to discovering an alien nation. Tickets are available via the link in the blurb of this episode, also via the link in bio on ADHDAF podcast Instagram. I really hope to see you at these totally unique events, the last ever ADHDF tour of this nature. Self-diagnosis is valid, no diagnosis necessary, and I invite you to encourage the people in your life that need to learn more about ADHD from a late diagnosed perspective to come along. Adults only, all genders welcome. If you'd like to come but you feel nervous about coming alone, please don't. Just let me know and I will arrange for a welcome party to greet you at the door and seat you with others just like you. I don't want you to miss out on the last hurrah, so grab tickets whilst they last and come hang with the gang in real life. If undiagnosed ADHD made you feel like an alien you are not alone there's a whole planet of us if you can't make any of the live events or you would like to connect online sooner come and join us in the planet ADHD AF peer support community via the link in the description to chat to myself and a whole load of other like-minded legends the world over on discord and zoom membership includes body doubling accountability squads self-care club monthly advice from an ADHD coach blogs vlogs, behind-the-scenes content, exclusives, and discounts on all merch, downloadables, and events tickets. I really hope to chat to you soon, either online in the Planet ADHDF peer support community or in real life at the Alien Nation Tour. Big love. Okay, so the questions that you asked. So the first question that we got was, where did you go for your ADHD assessment? So we did cover this in episode one, but just to touch back, it was that we both went NHS. I, well, effectively would still be waiting. Um, I am still waiting. Three, three years later. Um, and so I was lucky enough to have access to private healthcare, so with Booper. Yeah, and I speak about having a diagnosis, but... It's not an official medical diagnosis. Mm. I'm doing the whole inverted commas with my fingers and I realise you can't see this. But <laughs> yeah, so I, I started university last September and I got um, an assessment by an educational psychologist that diagnosed me. But I am still on the waiting list with the NHS for an official medical diagnosis. So watch this space. Yes. Um, so what has masking cost you was another, but we answered that. Um 
has finding out about masking made you question your behavior in general so do you feel like you are more self-aware because i definitely am in terms of the amount of times i've said on here i feel like i've been talking for too long I really noticed that now. My self-awareness has skyrocketed mm. in the last year or so. Mm. I mean, obviously, I, I through other means as well, life coaching, therapy and stuff, that's helped me. But I guess all that self-awareness has led me to my ADHD diagnosis. But um, what was the question? <laughs> uh, it was, has finding out about masking made you question your behaviour in general? So your self-awareness grew with yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a question here says, if taking meds for ADHD, how has it helped? So I will answer that one. Um, it has helped massively. Um, I really think that taking medication allowed me not just to see the first step out of the hole I was in, not, not just take the first step out of the hole I was in, but actually even bloody see it because yeah. I, I couldn't. I, I just felt. And like I said, Everything that happened was compounded by the fact that we then went, you know, had the lockdown, the pandemic and all of that, as it has been for everyone everywhere all over the world. Um, but yeah, I feel like ADHD medication helped me find my way, find my way out. Um, but that said, um, it, it isn't all roses and there are side effects. I'm in the titration period. And I went up a dose to try what the next dose was. And I actually now kind of regret it. Um, I don't want to go into it too much because uh, I'm sure we'll do that on another episode. Yeah. Um, but basically, I think I had two higher hopes. So I saw such a vast improvement that I was like, OK, yeah, well, I've still got a little bit of this going on, though. So let's go up to the next one. Whereas actually, that was really naive of me because ADHD medication doesn't cure yeah. your ADHD. It helps you with the symptoms. Um, and you still have to work with it. Whereas I don't know why I thought I would take a magic pill and leap out of bed in the morning, click my heels together I, and be able to tick off my to-do list. Laura, there's still part of me that believes it's going to be the be-all and end-all. It but... is. It has, as I said, my life has changed immeasurably, yeah. but I, like, I just, I, I, I didn't, I don't think it was necessary for me to go up to as high a dose as I did. And so now I'm coming back down because it kind of pushed me too far in that whatever the hell it is that has caught my attention, phew, I could lose three hours. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I've been really high focusing on stuff um, and uh, feeling a bit zombie-ish. So that definitely is a symptom of it being too high. So that's where I am at. Still in titration, going back down. Um, the next question was, how do you mask, Dawn? How do I mask? Um, a number of ways. The house probably is one of my biggest. Like, I am terrible at keeping on top of um, housework. You're bloody busy. I'm, I, I am busy, but, like, most people can do a little bit at, at, at a time, whereas I tend to do chunks yeah. here and there. And I, I struggle if people come around my house unannounced. Yes. Like... It, it freaks me out because I'm never prepared and the shame that I carry with someone coming at my house and seeing the mess that it's in, like, really upsets me because it's not how I want it to be. It's not how I want to, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Present yourself. Present myself, yeah. That's so funny, isn't it? Because actually, that's exactly what we're talking about. It's like, unconsciously, 
even your home or like just as you are, you think you have to be a certain Yeah, and I mean, I know I don't have to be a certain way, but it's the level you set for yourself. Yes. And I like having a clean, tidy home. Yeah, of course. I just struggle really badly to keep it that way. And even you coming around tonight, I kind of had a big rant and was saying that, you know, I need to tidy up before you come round. And you're like, it's fine. You don't need to like worry in front of me. I understand. But even I like I had to get it to an acceptable level. Like mm. my house is still an absolute mess and you've come it round. It isn't, by the way. It, it, it is. I don't think I've hoovered in weeks. But <laughs> <laughs> genuinely. Um, but but like I've managed to get it to an acceptable level where I'm okay with you being here, even though I know it could be better. Mm. But like if you'd seen my kitchen earlier, honestly, like uh, yeah, I don't want to go into it because yeah, the, the shame that I carry with it. It was an absolute mess. And um yeah, that is definitely probably one of my biggest masks mm. that I wear. It's funny, isn't it? Like thinking about this, like I just kind of cast my mind back to a previous romantic relationship and this person didn't really leave the house very much. So I was either out or I was in the house and they were there. And I remember getting to a point where I was just like, oh my God, please, can I just have some time alone in the house? And one of my good friends said to me, and she really couldn't get it. She was just like, why? What is it that you need to do in the house that they you need them not to be there for? Yeah. And it's so funny because I cast my mind back now and it's like, <gasps> BADHD, <laughs> yeah. basically. So you could just have some breathing just space to be yourself. Just feel whatever my normal is yeah. instead of running around trying and failing to be what what they wanted me to be or what they expected as normal. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Mm. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about that? About oh, how you mask? I mean, there's probably a load of different ways, but my head's a bit minced today, so I can't really think of anything else. <laughs> yeah, well, what we are talking about, isn't it? It's like this unlearning of a lifetime of, um, of, of learnt behaviour. Yeah. So the question is, really, how do we unmask? How do we do it? And actually... As we always say, we're on this journey with you. So I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> tell we're us. trying. We're figuring it out right now. How do we unmask? Um, for me personally, uh, I'm going to bang on about self inventory again. Yeah. So um, if I would just pull up a little definition of self inventory, which I did prepare earlier, but obviously I've lost in the in the phone of doom. <laughs> it, will, um, it will be in there somewhere. Um, self inventory. Okay. So a self-report inventory is a type of psychological test in which a person fills out a survey or questionnaire with or without the help of an investigator. Self-report inventories often ask direct questions about personal interests, values, symptoms, behaviours and traits or personality types. Another one from psychologydictionary.org. What is self-inventory? Psychological definition of self-inventory... A question, a question are used by a person to check the characteristics they perceive to apply to themselves. Mm -hmm. So in terms of self-inventory for myself, when I was, um, self-inventory for myself, um, when I got the official diagnosis, I kind of... uh, 
it, it wasn't like some immediate moment of self-acceptance. And on top of that, I've since learned that the diagnosis process, there were five stages of grief, basically. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely been on the roller coaster of that these last few weeks, which we'll come back to in another episode. But it did allow me to go, ah, you know, that's what's been going on. That's what the problem is. The problem isn't me. I'm not awful. I have this thing. And so in look in understanding that ADHD can present differently in all people, no matter what gender, age, whatever, race, anything, it doesn't matter. No two people's ADHD is going to be identical. What does that look like for me? So in terms of self-inventory, I gave myself the space um, to go, okay, admit, admit to myself, this is where I struggle, even down to the randomest little things. And then in doing so, you know, as those things come up, as they will do time and time again, that is enabling me to find self-compassion yeah. and, and be open about those things. Um, how about you? Yeah, well, I think it comes down to values. 100%. And that's that's something that I did a lot of work on when I had my life coach. Um, something I never really realised, you know, I didn't know what my values were. Yeah. Like, I'd never really sat and thought about it. And so I did an exercise with my life coach to kind of figure that out. So we looked at different traits and stuff, you know, whether it's self-control, motivation, um, relationships, family, honesty, all these different, you know, aspects. Yeah. And we pulled together the ones that I thought were most important to me. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of categorised them into little boxes, you know, like connection, um morality expressiveness achievement yes. and then once we'd kind of boxed everything in we looked at the you know what they were and found maybe six five or six that were your core that were the core values yes. and then when you look at them you're able to you know be like right well this is where i'm hitting mm -hmm. these are the ones i'm making and this is where i'm falling short so then you can start to look at things and be like right well this is where the areas that I need to work on mm -hmm. and that I need to pay a little bit more attention to so that I am meeting my own values. So it is. So it is completely unmasking, but it's like unmasking in the mirror to face yourself. Yeah. Like own up. Like, where am I falling short? What do I really want? And that that is how you unmask. We cracked it. Yeah. Now we've just got to apply it. Exactly. That's what we <laughs> preach, right? Is there anything else you wanted to say about that? No, I was just well, I was just going to add that also understanding your own values helps when it comes to connections and relationships, whether mm -hmm. it's friends, families, um, you know, romantic relationships. If you know what your own values are, you probably are going to want to find someone that matches those values when mm -hmm. it comes to the people that you interact with. Yeah. yeah. So finding out what your own values are is important in more than just the yeah, unmasking, unmasking thing. right. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because this could sound really basic and obvious to someone. Maybe there's people that are just like, oh, yeah, like I don't even need to do that because I know know myself. But like we said, the masking was was blocking ourselves even from ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I hope I hope people get get what we mean by that. Um, but if we do, if they don't, at least we've got each other. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the last question was: We go for a coffee. What's your beverage of choice? Which also, yeah, which will probably bring us on to our differences. Segues into our differences. Yeah, it really does. Um, which is 
Caffeine. Mm-hmm. So what would be your, your beverage of choice from a cafe? Um, I don't drink a lot of coffee because of um, caffeine sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I do go to a, you know, beverage place of choice, mm. I will tend to go, go to the for... Pub. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a glass of wine. No, I go for um, a skinny decaf vanilla latte. Oh, nice. Yeah. But, but skinny decaf, okay. Mm, nice. Yeah. I would go for a flat white, but I cannot drink caffeine until the afternoon because of the medication. Okay. But I have never been caffeine sensitive before and if anything, quite the opposite. So um, some people with ADHD are really caffeine sensitive like yourself. Yeah. And some, it just makes them like nothing, like almost the opposite effect than you would expect. So I am one of those people that could have a coffee and go to bed. I can handle maybe one or two cups of regular tea in a day. Mm-hmm. But even if I have one coffee, you know the feeling you get, like most sticky. most people get if they've taken too much caffeine. Mm. That's what I get after one. I feel sick. I feel shaky, palpitations. Oh. Like I constantly feel like I, I, I check like my pulse. Explode. I check my pulse because I get paranoid. It wow. sends me into like this paranoid state. And also... Um, I used to get touch wood. I've not had one in a long time, but I used to suffer from terrible migraines. And I know that yes, you have too. Yeah. And there's a lot of chat about association with migraines and ADHD. Yes, there is. Um, but I kind of put caffeine as being as one of my triggers. Mm. I don't know if it is for sure, but... Seemingly. It's given me the fear. So not only do Still I have the sense to... Because it, it, I'm I, sure I, it I is. I have the fear of caffeine. I'm sure it is caffeine and like chocolate Cheese, are different things. Yeah. different things. But. but also, when we were talking about migraines before, you were saying... We were saying that it was linked to like hormones as well. Like, yeah. You know. I started getting migraines around the, long time, around the same time as puberty. I yeah. Think. I yeah, was like 11, 12 years old. Yeah. Thing. yeah, which is very interesting. But we are going to talk about that more in another episode. Yes, we will, we? definitely. But for now, we are going to talk about what is the most ADHD thing you've done this week, John? <laughs> I have done so many. <laughs> I, honestly, I have done so many. But one of them I was speaking about earlier, going paddleboarding at the weekend. Mm. So I thought I would be really organised for a change. And um, because we were getting up at 4am and, you know, trying to get see the sunrise, I knew that I needed to be prepared because getting prepared in the morning no. is just not going to happen. That's not even the morning, though. Yeah, so... <laughs> It's, it's different when you're doing something fun. It's easier yeah. to get up for. But um, yeah, so I pumped up my paddleboard um, and stuck it back in the shed. So it was just ready to throw on the roof of my car in the morning and I threw everything else in my car. But what I did was I'd taken my phone and I'd laid it on top of my paddleboard whilst I was pumping it up. Finished pumping it up. I'd obviously forgotten where I'd put, in my, put my phone. <laughs> Picked up the paddleboard, phone slipping off, landing on the pavement outside. Oh, no. And we stay in this area in Aberdeen called Fitty, which is an old fishing village. It's touristy. There's designed lots... by the architect who designed Balmoral. Yes. It's, it's, it's rather <laughs> Based lovely. Based on Venetian squares. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely. and But it's really touristy. So there's always lots of people going around. Yeah. Anyway, paddleboard, back in the shed. Then once I'd thrown it in the shed, I went into the house and I grabbed the rest of my stuff to load up the car. So then I went out to the car, loaded up the car, came back and I was walking along. And bear in mind, this had been a good 20 minutes that this whole process had taken. And I'm walking along back to the house and I'm like, what's that lying outside the house on the, on the <laughs> pavement? <laughs> and a 
forest. It was my oh. mobile phone, and I'm like, it's just been sitting there on but the on the deck. It, no, it didn't smash. Thank God. But it just been sitting there on the deck, just waiting for <laughs> me to me. <laughs> to finally realize that I just abandoned it. And then just on the on the top of that, me and my mobile phone and mis misplacing things. When we were out paddleboarding, I I'd taken my phone out to take some pictures of this really cool waterfall that we'd seen, and um, we went to stop to see it, and I'd laid my phone on my paddleboard again. Jumped off the paddleboard in such excitement that I dropped my fo- <laughs> dropped my phone in the sea. <laughs> did it float though, or did you have to dive for it? No, it 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 was. We were in the shallows, so it oh, was okay, fine. Okay. But I had to go and look for it. I'm like, where's my phone gone? And then obviously realised it was in the sea, in the sea. <laughs> and it had been in the sea for a couple of minutes. But thankfully, phones <laughs> these days are pretty waterproof, oh. so it's still working. Oh bless you! So yeah, there we are. There what you about go. you? Um, well, actually, there are obviously loads, um, but I'm going to share a positive one Yay. this week. Um, so, as I said, it's my birthday tomorrow. Um, and one of the lovely things that we do here in Fitty is when the weather's warm enough and dry enough, which isn't enough... <laughs> We have little beach barbies and it's wonderful. Um, And so I wanted to have one for my birthday. And then last week on Thursday, it was really sunny. It was this beautiful day, not a cloud in the sky. And I was suddenly just like, let me just check the weather. And then saw that the weather was not going to be that nice again for a long time and just randomly went, well, let's just have it today then. So I just decided to bring my birthday forward by five days. Which is great, but not when you're working the next day and you've got to go into work with a hangover. (laughs) So yeah, so it was lovely, and and everyone humoured me. Thank you very much. No, and it, it was, was great. Wonderful. We so had a wonderful time. Impulsivity and well, not quite recklessness, but it was quite late. But the time we it was one a.m. and I was working at eight the next morning. <laughs> yeah, so that was nice. So there's some uh, the most ADHD thing I've done is change the date of my birthday and demand it happen now. Lovely, and it and it worked out great. It did. Um, that that brings us to a close, but we've got some very exciting news. We do, we do, we I do. I just realised our, our oh. sequins are just shimmy, a shimmy in celebration of our exciting news. Um, so we have got our first podcast guest. We do. So um, for those of you that listen to the podcast that we are always banging on about, the ADHD adults, um, we have got one half of that dreamy duo, uh, Dr. James Brown, uh, is foolish enough to let hit, let us interview him. <laughs> Bless his heart. We are um, interviewing him on Friday. Um, so I think we better go and figure out how the hell to do that and get the technology sorted. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got, um, a, what do you call it, a tutorial to watch to figure out how to do this. So. <laughs> but we're totes profesh. Yeah. <laughs> We'll manage this, right? So we really look forward to sharing that with you and we hope you enjoy that. Um, And yeah, grab your tickets for Alien Nation Live UK Tour via the link in the blurb of this episode and come hang with the gang in real life or in the online peer support community Planet ADHD AF. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode on unmasking ADHD masking. Yeah, and don't forget to like, rate, subscribe. (laughs) All that jazz. Honestly, thank you so much for all of the reviews. All those five stars are really making a difference in getting helping us to get the message out there so that we we are yeah, we can spread far and wide. And as we said at the beginning, we just love hearing from you. So do reach out and 
Yeah. And don't forget to be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Values. Take the mask off. You're amazing. And there's no such thing as normal. We're all brilliantly unique. Great. We're done. We're done. That's episode four. In the bag. <laughs> ADHD as females. ADHD AF. ADHD as females. The podcast.